Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Are you working too many hours in your OT business and you're not seeing the results that you want? Do you know that you can have a greater impact on your clients and you've hit a wall? Are you covering your costs, but you're barely paying yourself? Many of you listening identify as an underpaid therapist with a business, and you want to be a money-to-spare CEO. And the solution is the second cohort of the Road to 100K. The Road to 100K is the group coaching program for OT business owners making between $100 and $99,000 a year who are looking to increase their profit, their clarity, and their impact. There isn't another program like it out there for OTs. You weren't taught to be a business owner. You know that. You listen to the OTs Get Paid podcast. You believe in your clinical skills and you have loved hearing about the business skills in this podcast and want more. And that's where the Road to 100K comes in. You probably know me by now. Why me? You know I built two OT businesses, one bricks and mortar and one online and both made $100,000 gross in their first year. And now I want to teach you more in one of my paid programs. We will be going for about eight weeks. We have a small group. We are capping it at 30 and we want you to join. If you have loved what you've heard on this podcast and you are making between $100,000 and $99,000 a year and you want more, this is the group program for you. So how do you enroll? Easy. There's a link in the show notes. It's going to take you to the road to 100k page. You're going to see a link there. Boom. You're going to press it. You're going to put in your credit card. Lots of people join us this way. They know what they want. They know the program and they know the results. There are a few others of you that are like, oh, Trish, I really need to talk to somebody. Will this work for me in my very special circumstances? Yes. If you're not sure it's for you, book a call. I have quite literally cleared my calendar between 
Tuesday, November the 29th, until this opportunity closes on Thursday, December the 1st in the evening. There's a link in the show notes to book a call with me. I'm going to ask you some questions to make sure that you're a fit. And there's no hard sell. At the end of the day, we want this to be a match because owner secret spoil alert. You only want people in your programs who want to be with you. You want a fit. That makes for a happy customer, a happy client. And those are the people that you want to serve. There is a lifetime value to your customer that you want. And that's what we want too. So when you get on a call with me, it is all about making sure that it is the right fit by asking some really detailed questions. The last Road to 100K cohort discussed appreciating the knowledge and the expertise and the high value and accountability and camaraderie of being together. Someone who recently joined us for this next cohort and who's allowing me to share said, Trish, I can't wait to begin 2023 heading in the right direction by joining the road to 100K. This is a gift to the future me, and I can't wait to start. Head to the link in the show notes. And now we're going to start our episode. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you, Trish. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy that you are here. So we're going to kick it off. As I mentioned in the intro, this is a bit of a different episode. So we're going to ask a few different questions. And really, the focus today is on Jessica being in the hot seat, which round of applause for Jessica, leaning into a few vulnerable moments and showing up and saying yes. And so you're going to hear some of the same questions and a lot of hot seat coaching. So Jessica, tell the people who are you and how do you get paid? Who am I? Besides an OT, I'm a neuro mentor and a brain injury specialist. And how do I get paid? So as of May of this year, I get paid two different ways. One is as that neuro OT mentor. So that is one-on-one sessions or through my group program, which is like a six session program where we kind of move through different neuro topics. And then the other one is through my small mobile outpatient clinic. So I see adults with neuro problems in Indianapolis, Indiana. So those are the two ways that I get paid. And that feels incredible to say that. I, I never really would have imagined that, but here we are. Why does it feel incredible? Does it feel beyond what you could have imagined? So in the past, whenever I would have the idea about, I could start my own business and I just pictured a clinic because that was just all I knew. Traditional, yeah. And I would just, oh. It was. Just, it just always felt so weighty. And then I thought, I could never do that. My brain doesn't have the business mindset. I would just trip over like my self-doubt. And mm. I just, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could start and actually follow through. And lo and behold. And I am a different person, mm. truly. You said it, you know, stepping into the vulnerability and mm. That is the one skill over and over is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and yeah. just looking at that fear. Like now my relationship with fear used to just kind of freeze me. And now I try so hard to just like notice it and like, okay, I fear there you are again. Mm-hmm. We must be growing. We must be stretching. Like you are not the boss of me mm-hmm. and let's do this. I love that. Jessica, I'm hearing a lot of mindset work coming up. How'd you get so good at that? That started when I I knew I could no longer do what I was doing, but I didn't know what next. Mm-hmm. And so I started a coaching program that was kind of one part personal development and another part 
kind of more like business coaching, but it's really the the bulk of it is mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's just been a journey of slowing down actually. And that's something I've done the last six or seven months is how do I get out of the hustle mindset? Like, you know, I don't want to just repeat where I was. Yeah. I agree. I mean, wholeheartedly. And thank you so much. This this is what I love about a podcast. This isn't what I expected to hear from you right out of the gate. It's like deep. It's really deep right away. And thank you for that. People are going to resonate with what you said because it started out in a different way, which is why I wanted to follow up with that. Additionally, we're going to be talking today about what phase of business you're in and the questions mm-hmm. you're going to ask reflect that. And so many people are going to find value in what you just said because that hustle is so predominant in the beginning. It's actually mm-hmm. almost more than strategy and mm-hmm. it can just be so overwhelming and paralyzing. So really grateful you brought that up. Let's talk Thanks. about gross revenue. I know you've yes. you know recently started. So let's talk about revenue for the last year and where you want to go. Okay, Trish. So when you invited me onto your podcast and you sent me your questions and there are these <laughs> many questions and it was like gross revenue. And I was like, okay, gross versus net. And I was like, okay. And then I can't remember. There was a margin of something. I was like, crap. So I'm going Google and I thought it's going to take me, it took me a week to respond because I had to go look up what these numbers meant. That so is now, so funny. And by the way, so true for so many of us for any questions. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm qualified to be here, but you were gracious. You're, and no here we are. you're an entrepreneur. You're qualified to be here. Settle in. Enjoy. Thank you. That feels good. So now that I know what some of those numbers mean, my gross revenue for the last seven months is about 8,500. Okay. So about 1,200 a month. Great. And... Are you paying yourself or is there any profit left over? I just started to pay myself recently. I wanted to hold up. Yes. And I wanted to, I could have paid myself earlier, but I was really waiting until I could pay myself the same amount consistently and feel comfortable. So yes. Quick question. Is there a different feeling about yourself as CEO or about the business when you do begin to pay yourself versus when you're not? Yes. What is that? That's a really good question because I just literally paid myself this past month for the first time. And I thought, I haven't quite named this feeling yet. It's something like, it's easy because I just move it over from one bank account to the other bank account and take out taxes. Yeah. But when I did that, I just, there was a little bit of like sitting up a little taller mm-hmm. and I don't mean like high and mighty. I just mean like, oh, I'm doing this. It was almost like I'm doing, I'm doing this for myself. And there was a strength like in my spine mm-hmm. and it was, but it was calm too. It was like grounding at the same time. Yeah. I don't know what that feeling is, but maybe pride. Oh, that's interesting because I don't, I usually associate pride in a different way, but I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know too many OTs that would lean into that word because there's, we're so tender and you're so mm-hmm conscientious, Jessica, I can hear that, Mm -hmm. that it might not be the right word. And yet, can you take out the piece of that where you do feel proud, right? Pride as a traditional one of the, isn't it one of the sin, deadly sin? What am I thinking of? Oh, right. One of the seven deadly sins or something, if you, if that's your jam. And so the word pride might have a more negative connotation, but how does like feeling proud as a word sit? That's much easier. That feels like I'm 
I'm doing right. That, that leans into the, I worked hard and this is the result. Like I did this, it's the action of it. You're right. And, but so yeah, good point. That's really interesting that being proud about your work and then what comes for the fruits of it feel very different than like pride kind of equates with like boastful or something. Yeah. That's what I was hearing in your voice. Well, I'm glad. And thank you for answering that question because I know quite a number of OTs that I, because I talked to so many OT entrepreneurs, they are waiting to pay themselves, even though the money's in the bank, or they're too scared to pay themselves, or they're not sure even if paying themselves $500, $700 a month or whatever is worth it. And mm-hmm. that's where the part of that question, line of questioning came from. So what are your revenue goals then for next year, Jessica? I can't remember. You'll have to help me with the lingo, what you call it, the kind of the reference, but my goal is 50,000 next year. That's like my, that's a good goal. And right. a goal like the below that, like this would still be okay, would be 35,000. So right. I'm shooting for 50 and like 35 would be like, that's still more than double. Good. And so I often set those goals like good, better, best. I do that for everything, even, even micro goals, even for like how many, hmm. What's a micro goal I set this week, for example? Oh, how many? (laughs) I'm leaning into experimenting with reels. It was time. I'm not a huge fan of social media. And I have built two six-figure businesses without it. And now it feels like years and years later. I'm like, okay, let's try this as an experiment, not as a desperate way to learn how to sell my stuff because I know how to market it and I know that people buy it. So, and now I have... um, a micro goal of like, how many, how many people would like, look at this reel? How many people reach out after a reel? So that's an example of a micro, like good, better, best. Like mm-hmm. good is one. <laughs> better would be like five. <laughs> and wouldn't it be amazing if like 10 people, right? So I just want to highlight that because you kind of said that and I put some language around it of what I do as well. And I think that's a really healthy way because then you feel like you're looking ahead, but you're not like cutting off your nose to spite your face. And that takes away some of that hustle feeling, right? Based on listening to your podcast is what gave me that idea. And when I ran my first cohort, I used that example that 10 people in the program is the top goal and then seven people and then five people would be like, I covered my my base. Amazing. How many hours are you working? That was helpful. I'm sorry, I cut you off. You found that helpful? I'm so glad. Yes, for sure. Thanks for letting me know. How many hours are you working a week in your business, Jessica, with that, with the income that you've made and the income that you want to? Trish, that is a really good question. And I <laughs> don't know the answer to that because okay. I I think I'm a little hesitant to count because I think I'm going to judge it. Yeah. Like a, that it's either going that I, that I'm not doing enough or I don't know. I think I'm going to, that's interesting. I'm a little, I shy away from that measure, I think. Great. Well, if it creates stress, like don't. And additionally, I like to approach these things with curiosity because Mm. I know that we really have two big measures. We've got time and we've got money. Mm -hmm. So that's why I've now paired those questions. And because I think it's really important, especially knowing that in this road to 100K phase that you're in, this start phase, I could sell you anything and then say, hey, but you got to work 90 hours a week. Like that's not the point, right? I see. Okay. Maybe I, I can't give you the quantity, but I could definitely qualify it. So I could kind of like talk about my week. And so I co-parent, like my daughter is with me half the time. Uh-huh. And so what this, so even given that, 
there are weeks that she's with me five days and weeks she's with me two days. So that's every week looks so incredibly different. And that's actually something that I love is I can pare down my hours when she's with me and I can focus on her. But the week that she's with me less, I mean, I can easily start at seven in the morning and at 7 p.m., I'm like lifting my eyes up and it felt amazing because I could focus all day and another day I'm working like four hours. So yep, yep, it's full time, but it feels totally doable. I like that. Good. And thanks for highlighting that. I had the exact same thing. In fact, I found working on my business when I found myself as a single parent, quite therapeutic. (laughs) Like, and that's why I do want you to feel that sense of being proud because I felt really crazy proud and it just brought up so much crap for Mm -hmm. me that I was like that I worked out in real time as a business owner and so you know that freedom of your schedule it doesn't have to be like nine to five hey Trish yes Ashley as an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money I bet you've thought oh my gosh I just got my first few clients what the heck do I do now don't worry At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. Just hop over to our website find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. Every day or like, you know, 15 hours, like I'm hearing clearly that you love that freedom and that it's working for you, right? Which is, I'm not hearing like, oh my gosh, because I hear from a lot of people in the underpaid therapist with a business phase, that start phase, like, holy cow, I am working every weekend as well. And I'm not hearing that. So that's great. Okay, so we are going to jump in again. This is a very special episode, (laughs) I said in quotes, um, about a hot seat. So again, we are bringing this forward so that people can have an understanding of what it would be like to be in a coaching relationship, to be in a coaching program. And also, you know, Jessica had some questions that she wanted to get answered that would provide so much value for people. We decided to do it in this format. So I know you have a few questions. Why don't you start with the most important one and then we'll, we'll keep going. Something I'm beginning to wrap my head around from listening to your podcast is I can tell pretty soon that I'm going to be needing paid help. Okay. And it could be easy for me to say, I'm not there yet, but I really think I am. As I hear, you're, you're convincing me, Trish. And Ooh. I realize that, <laughs> but I have to say, even though, so mentally it's, you're starting to convince me that some of these tasks I need help with, but one, it's messy. Like all my things are a mess. And so it's almost like inviting a stranger over when your house is a mess. Like you feel like you need to clean up for them. So if someone's going to help me, I feel like I need to clean it up. And I don't exactly know. I know the things that I need help with that someone else could do for me in the moment, but I can't always predict like, this is how many hours I'm going to need help next month. Yeah. And I will say, I don't even pay for help in my own life very well. So there's some kind of mindset issue around that. Let me ask you a few questions and then we'll dive into some answers. So what what do you cognitively understand about paid help? Like, why are you beginning to sniff around that idea from like with your Mm. thinking brain on? Because when I am using the Google to figure out a tech problem for myself Mm -hmm. and I spend hours 
I now have your voice in my head that says, hey, you could just dish off this $10 task and that could be three hours I could be working on paid, paid programming. Mm-hmm. And so it's now becoming clear to me that the, I don't want to say wasted time, but the time I don't have to, what I could be doing, because I now have a list of things I really, really want to get at and I don't have time for that yet. Great. So you're beginning to see the difference between $10 tasks and $1,000 tasks, for example, as you, the solopreneur. Yes. And you, you've described that really well, that now that I'm starting to see it before, I was just in the tasks doing them. But now when I'm doing them, I'm like, oh, I don't have to be doing this. This is so far from my zone of genius that it's, it's the opposite. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up because that's the other big reason is that, you know, I tell the story all the time of like, we have light bulb changing dance in my house because I'm so on tech. And again, when I became a single parent, my sister was like, yay, here's a tool belt. You can figure it all out. No, thank you. I leaned into my zone of genius, which is spending crap tons of time with my kids and Mm. being a really amazing mother. So let me answer this question for you. I'm going to give you permission to do this messy. And where you start is not where you're going to be, even in six months or a year. The most practical thing that you could do, even in the next week, is to do as much of a time audit as you can. And even if it's that, that's like a janky piece of paper with like scribble, 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 and just write down like everything that you do every day. And you're going to start seeing some patterns. You may want to do it on a Google Doc. You may even want to do it in like a project management system if you have one. And if you don't, I'm giving you all the permission in the world to just start writing down these tasks because you will see some patterns and the answer will be handed to you in a time audit. Mm -hmm. So that would be step one. Step two is I'm a big fan of Upwork. If you, mm, let me answer this in two ways. One, once you have that idea, the problem will be solved by getting the right person on the bus. So there is this feeling as a, you know, very accomplished, you know, co-parent, you've already created this profitable business, you got into OT school, we know that's not easy, you mentor others, like clearly there's definitions, traditional definitions of success in what you're doing. And Often we feel that we still have to have every single duck in a row to hire. And the thing that I want people to begin to understand is the right person is going to help you with that phase. Meaning, I don't really know what I'm doing. This is the first time I'm hiring a VA. These are the 10 tasks I think I need. Are you the right person to help me with that and more? I'm writing that down. Um, <laughs> or you could re-listen. This will be a podcast. <laughs> right. right. Good reminder. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've, have you ever watched, okay, as an aside, have you ever watched parents at the Olympics with their cell phones? I'm like, dude, I'm watching it on NBC or the BBC or the Aww. CBC. I'm like, if I'm watching it, you can put your phone down. Oh, but then they can't post it right i know but it just makes me laugh i'm like hey parent of gold medalist somebody else has this for you (laughs) okay that's an aside that's just a little aside i always think Mm -hmm. that so do it messy you're allowed to do it messy because the right person on the bus will be like oh yeah that's exactly who i work with i work with people who are just starting with a va i work with people who feel like they're a hot mess it's like Mm -hmm. the first bookkeeper i ever interviewed she said, 
what do you mean you have this all in a computer? Usually somebody hands me a giant box of receipts. And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm feeling right? a tiny bit organized. But like, they will meet you where you're at if they're the right person. That, like I can exhale. That feels, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. yep. Just to think like, actually, that that is one who I need, someone who can pick up in that spot. But then two, that it's okay to say that and it just feels so much like because it has been kind of a fear of like oh they're going to judge me and and then see how ridiculous this like quote business is behind the scenes well then they're not the right person and by the way i use that all the time i'm now looking for like a you know probably my first part-time employee not just a contractor in my business and i'm scared to death and i'm doing the exact same thing i did years Mm -hmm. and years ago by saying here's what i got are you the right person so there is a bit of a management up. I talk about that a lot in any time I interview anybody or write a job description. I talk about like, you will need the skill of asking the right questions and leaning into helping me get organized in this area because I don't know if I am or not. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about if you're hiring someone and you, I guess maybe you just told me in the timeout because I was thinking it could be feel tricky to even tell someone how much time I need them? Or what if that fluctuates? I put that, I put that in job descriptions all the time. So you say, I think, you know, you, at some point, if especially if you're going to put it on a site like Upwork, they're going to ask you some black and white questions. But just because you have to answer them in a black and white way doesn't mean that during the interview phase or the pre-screening phase that you can't say, I know I put this, but that's kind of the minimum. Here's what I'm thinking it might be. You'll probably grow into it pretty quickly. So you know enough about your ideal client, Jessica, that I bet you can predict the types of questions people ask in the beginning versus the types of questions they have at the end. Or if they're hesitant about spending the beginning, or if they're all in in the beginning and they peter out later. I don't know what your customer journey is, but you do. And it's the same thing with somebody that helps you. Like They'll be like, oh yeah, Jessica, you're totally normal. Everybody comes to me with these questions. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. That's really helpful. Okay. Thank you. And then if they don't, then they're not the right person. Right. If they, right. If that's, and if they don't get excited about helping a poor poor soul who's not done it before. Exactly. (laughs) The other thing I want to remind you is that you don't have to recreate the wheel. We always think, because you're in Indianapolis, I'm here in Alberta, like we're so used to working solo. I call it that silopreneur. And like lean into your peeps. You know, go to the OTs Get Paid board or the other, you know, OT coaching group program boards that you really like and ask people if they have that first VA that they hired for these kinds of tasks. Because as we know in marketing, referrals, word of mouth is number one. So you don't have to start from scratchity, scratch, scratch. And if you kind of want that next kick at the can, I highly recommend a place like Upwork. They seem to be really, really on the ball with online and bricks and mortar, of which you've got both. And what do you think about, I know you've talked about this before, but it's still very much like I'm from the Midwest, United States, and this is the place where we, you know, like take pride in mowing your own grass. Like you have your yard and you should take care of it. And it's like this, this mindset of um, back to that word pride, of taking pride in your home or in your business and doing it. And I I don't, I hear the wisdom. And at the same time, right, when my revenue is low, it's hard. It's almost, it brushes up against that Midwest value of you don't hire a housekeeper if you don't have quote enough money. And so 
it's just a little bit hard to write that in my mind about I'm not making an abundance of money yet, yet I'm willing to pay someone to do something that I can do. And that still goes around and around in my head. I think that's very valid. I also encourage you to think of it as an experiment then. So I, I hire so much a that... personal assistant in the summer, maybe in the spring. Economically, it made whack ton of sense to me. I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. I found other ways of doing some things. And then again, something shifted like both of my children went off to university, so I definitely didn't need it. But think of it as an experiment. Give it a whirl. You will need to have something that improves. And whether that's the amount of rest that you get, mm -hmm. if you want to watch Netflix, I mean, I can't imagine you watching Netflix when somebody's working on your business today because that might be too much of a leap. But it doesn't even have to be like, what is the metric? And this is where we get really, really tangible on things like marketing and sales and systems, because all of those are meant to move the right needle in your business. And I need a lot of rest. People think I'm this whack ton extrovert. Actually, I think you and I talked about that. When I did. I, was I asked you, you were like program. a ten. That's right. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm a zero. People don't believe me because <laughs> I put so much out. Like, I don't know how to have a chill conversation. I'm like, Wah! right? And then I go, Kvok! and I've tried. Even when I was teaching university, I was like big old puppy dog at the front. So whatever that measure is for you that you feel moves the needle in the direction of probably increasing your profit and probably increasing your clarity. I don't know what that is yet, but I bet you can find out. When you when you say that, I think that's something that could, that's really helpful because if, if I start to think, okay, if a person can help me do X, Y, and Z tasks, then I can. There will be more therapists who I can impact who are going to be more comfortable working with their neuro patients. Like more of those therapists will then exist, and that can fuel me. And that's the impact. That's the third mm -hmm. measure. Increasing profit, increasing clarity, and increasing impact are the three pillars that we talk about here at OTs Get Paid. And for most people, it's one of those three. And so that ripple effect, that ability to really show up, that's the metric. So that, how are you going to measure that, Jessica? Well, because you've been nudging us to <laughs> track things, Trish, um, I realized I need some new columns on my spreadsheet. Great. One of them being how exactly how many therapists am I mentoring each month? Yeah, I'm not sure. So now I'm like, okay, well, I can start to measure that and I can start to make a goal around increasing that both the one-on-one -on -one and in the group program. So that would be, an would that be an impact goal, I think? I think so. Yep. The other thing that to me is an impact goal is, are you measuring if they are feeling happy in your program? Are you measuring if they feel successful in your program? So you decide that. I don't know. It might be the impact in terms of the amount of people. It might be that they were sitting at a solid eight out of 10 and all of a sudden you have more time to pour into them. And now they're like nine and a half out of 10 in terms mm -hmm. of like, Jessica, this is the best thing in the whole wide world. And that creates impact as well, in my opinion. What do you think? That I can, so when I ran my first cohort, so that first six week program, 
if I go back and look at my, I'm telling you because you told me I went back and traced my spreadsheets. The month that I poured more into my program is exactly when my revenue went down. And I knew that because I pulled back from marketing, I pulled back from everything else to serve well. And if I had that help during those months to keep that marketing going, for instance, Mm -hmm. then I could do both. And the exit survey that you are kind of talking about, that satisfaction survey, Mm -hmm. I do have people taking that kind of like skills at the beginning. I want to know where their skills are and where they change. Yep. And then also just their, how much are they actually taking these skills and putting them into their practice? Like that applicability, measuring the applicability. Exactly. So one also, don't forget, and I'm not trying to complicate things. I'm leaning into answering your question on a few different levels. You know, there is a, a more of a planting stage by pouring in and seeing revenue drop because those people will become lifelong fans and they'll refer or are they going to continue to stay with you longer? Like these are things you're not sure yet. And so you can keep that in mind. Having the ability to, you know, spend some time on a little bit more marketing or having somebody help you or automating that or whatever it may be, that's more of a decision in the short term to affect your gross revenue, which is still also a great decision. Mm -hmm. You just have to kind of choose one or the other. Right. No, that makes sense. And I, that does make sense because sometimes I just have to pull back in order to get really clear about oh, yeah. what the next step is. So I don't go in six directions, but just like slowing down slowing to speed down. up, literally totally. a podcast about it. And you said that <laughs> in the beginning, you said that that was one of the best things that you did for yourself in the last while was slowing down. Right. And actually, so one of the podcasts that we get a ton of traffic on, and I have boldly said is the number one money maker in your business is having a plan. And in order to have a plan, you need to take time to build the plan and then reflect on the plan and check in with the plan and change the plan. I swear by slowing down will quite literally speed you up. And anytime I feel like I am going in a hundred directions, the more time I spend away from work, And I like go to yoga or I go for a walk with a friend or I make some delicious homemade soup because I live in Canada and it's cold here a lot. Like it almost has this inverse effect because let's face it, I'm pretty sure, Jessica, when you're resting, your brain is also chewing on some work stuff. Yeah, ditto. For sure. So, yes, great. I love what you're saying. When you you shared the strategic plan and I downloaded that freebie and I set some time aside to do that. And at first, because I haven't hadn't done it before, I thought my question was, well, how is an OT? I feel like I should have known better, but I didn't. And it was <laughs> the one of the questions in the SWAT, right? Is looking at your weaknesses. I thought, well, I can list them. And I did. And one of my weaknesses is because I parent, yeah. like that's such a focus because I don't have a lot of evening hours. And that's when therapists are available. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty big weakness. But because you invited me to slow down and look at that, I really thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And it just made me realize to change the whole structure around it. And so moving more towards a membership community where I can serve people during the day and they can look at that in the evenings when they're free. And I really, that was like a wow moment for me as far as even just the, the like the very basic strategic plan. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And you know, a SWOT analysis is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And you took a weakness and made it into an opportunity, which is really very entrepreneurial of you. <laughs> very growth mindset, Jessica. That's just wonderful. So what other questions do you have for me? Okay, so the word on the street is, 
that email marketing is a must. And I'm like, okay, one, is it? Do I have to? And I resist so much. Okay. And before you tell me it is, because if you tell me it is, I will listen to you. But before you tell me it is, I'm really curious because I'm learning that Instagram is where most of my business comes from and most of my conversations come from and my relationship development. And you mentioned reels earlier. If we roll back to April, I did not know how to make a reel and it took me gobs of hours. So fast forward, I actually really enjoy Instagram now. I It's really fun. So my question is, because my audience tends to, not always, but tends to be a younger crowd that likes Instagram and not so much email, I'm curious, is it still a necessary evil? What do you hate about email marketing? Okay. I thought about this today because I knew you were going to ask me that. Email marketing feels... Okay. Two things. As a recovering... I think a lot of OTs out there, one, recovering perfectionist, two, recovering people pleaser. I don't want to annoy people with email. That's a big one. It, and it just doesn't feel super genuine. It feels really markety to me, like schmarkety. Those are two big hangups. Okay. What is the biggest con of building an audience on Instagram? If someone interacts with me and then I want to find them later, it's actually difficult to find them unless we've had a direct message encounter. So it's, I don't even necessarily know their real name. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to push you. What else? Like think, think really strategically. We actually have a podcast coming up about this. It's already in the can. Think really strategically. Uh, What is the biggest risk of building your audience that you that follows you and that you sell and market to on a social media that, platform that I don't have I don't if that went away for any reason that's just Correct. their poof gone yeah so Mandy Chamberlain is coming on the podcast oh yeah she that's awesome 27,000 followers <gasps> in one day I just saw that she refriended or however whatever the word is for Instagram she Oh. And so a Mandyism, and I think yours is going to go first and then hers is going to come second, I think, in the programming. Don't hold me to this, people that are listening. Is she says, I always knew I was living on borrowed land. Like literally lost them? I asked her if I could write this sentence as a hook and she agreed with me. I said, because the hook is going to be, I lost 27,000 followers in 24 hours. She's like, yeah, that's what happened. That gives me goosebumps, not the good kind. Not the good kind. Not the good kind. So you're a smart woman. What do you think was Mandy's saving grace? When I reached out to Mandy and said, what can I possibly do to help you? One of the things I can do to help you build your audience back up is have you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. She was not a hot mess. Why do you think that is? She, uh, you have to be leading me to. <laughs> <laughs> is it that obvious? <laughs> I'm kind of a coach and also a pushy consultant. Yep, I own it. <laughs> you know, when I asked this question, I was looking at you. As, you know, I can see you through the Zoom screen, and I was like holding my breath. I'm like, she's gonna tell me yes, I think, but I'm not sure how it's gonna come out. So, okay, so she has their email email addresses. Yeah, she has an email list, and I have to say, Mandy, that I unfollow or whatever the unsubscribe to so many, but Mandy still come in because they're they're valuable. And you just answered your own question about how to make it feel less schmarmy. 
I think the other thing, okay, that is demotivating, and maybe I have to attach it to a longer term motivation, like we just did that last one. It's demotivating because on Instagram, you get that quick feedback of, is this what people want or not? And on email so far, I don't get much response. So it's just crickets and I don't know how it lands. I can't measure it. I don't know if it's worth my time and effort and energy. I've literally officially decided you'll be ahead of Mandy's because this is literally the best segue into Mandy's episode I could ever talk about. (laughs) Yes. And that's how Mandy uses it. She loves that little dopamine hit. She loves the interactivity. We, even if you, you know, are a self-professed introvert, I bet you went into OT for people and for helping. Absolutely. Even if you're not the like Enneagram traditional too, that's great. And so why would you want to give that up? So then you have to ask yourself, why are you going to be using Instagram? Is it that you're going to be learning more about your ideal client? Is it that you're going to be able to really, you know, see what pieces of your pillars, and we have to talk about that in a few minutes, what are your main points? Like, what is your framework? What are your values? What is your mission? What are the, you know, top pillars that you talk about? And see how that lands. So now you've got me thinking, okay, if I use email for education that you can apply, Mm -hmm. so is there a rule around when or how often that I would need to put in those emails, like an offer, a sale, you know, et cetera, where I want it to be genuine. I want it to be genuine education, not just like, oh, here's a little bit. So I hope you buy this thing. Like, I don't care if you would never buy anything. So how often in order to be effective, is it okay just to educate, educate, or do you also need to to sell in your email? I love that question. It makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Yes, I can tell. Well, because you literally said, I don't care if you never buy anything or something. And I'm like, well, you actually do. Like you can't feed your kid if you don't sell something. Let's just get really real here. So you actually do because then you just have a very expensive hobby and you need to go find a job. So you need people to buy your stuff in order for you to buy your kid indoor shoes for school. So let's just be honest about that. So that's fine because that's why it's called OTs get paid. We lean into uncomfortable money conversations. The answer is, I don't know. And the answer comes from you're going to, again, so so flipping true with what you said in the beginning. Like, you kind of need to embrace fear and try it because just like my Reels experiment, and by the way, like, I fully relate to this from a Reels perspective. Like, people were telling me for the last two years, I'm like, I will not. I will not dance around. And the couple of times I tried it, I was like, I hate this. Like, you know, so I needed to get to a place where I truly saw the why and that I truly could think of it as an experiment. And I got there a little sooner with email. I'm not sure why. But to me, again, it's all a giant experiment in seeing what moves the needle. So I'm never going to make you. I just, I really don't want you to lose your followers, though. So I do want you to cultivate some kind of email list. When I had Spring OT years ago and it was bricks and mortar, we did that mostly through the opt-in when people just signed up to the, you know, CMR to like book appointments and stuff. And then as I felt like more what I could deliver in terms of like, hey, we're having a big party for the summer for kids that are gluten-free and have a, you know, quirky kid come and hang with us. Then it made more sense to me of why I was sending out emails. So, you know, there will be differences between, because you've got two, like you've, you're kind of running two businesses, which is great and tricky, right? So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that another time. But I had to lean in to emailing 
quite a number of times before I really found what works. And I don't expect it to stay that way forever. Mm -hmm. So part of that is coming up with understanding. And I know people say this all the time. And my goodness, is it true? People do not see as much of your stuff as they think they see. Mm -hmm. So I have a podcast and I write show notes on the podcast, and I do social media on the pod about the podcast, and then I write a weekly email about the podcast. Mm -hmm. And do I feel like that's a lot? Sure. Does the podcast keep growing? And do we have like the depth of the people who like love it? I think it's so fun that you're quoting me back to me all the time. I'm like, I've never met you, right? Like that is super cool. And but I'm okay with that because that's where I pour into things that are free. Right. And even though it's free, I feel that too. I'm like, oh man, do I have to send another thing about this? Yeah, you do. Because I love it. It's like my pillar thing. And I know that I want people to see it because I hear it again and again that it provides awesome value. So then you get to kind of experiment with what do you want to talk about? On what platforms do you want to talk about it? You actually need less content that you think. Hmm. And maybe I want you to think about repurposing that content a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So could That's you smart. take like your favorite, you know, top three things that you've talked about that week or the, that maybe you do it every two weeks to start? I don't know. And then start reformatting that in a way because only the super, super fans are going to see that it's the same thing and they're not going to unsubscribe from you anyways. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because there was a fear of of actually losing people on email if they feel like it's just so redundant. Like Yeah, but then, they don't, then they're not your people anyways. So I... Right. I stay on the gap. I've mentioned this before. And I'll say it again, right? Because I think I've told this story once or twice, but I say it again and again so that people get it. I still am on the gap email list and the gap sends more email than I've ever seen in my life. And do you know why I'm still on the gap email list? Because I actually shop at the gap probably uh-huh. once or twice a year and I love their codes. They give really good discounts at the gap and Christmas jammies done. Sorry. Kids don't listen to us. <laughs> they care. But you, you know, like summer t-shirts, because every summer I'm like, oh, I need a like a, you know, whatever. Done. Like I just I buy two times a year from the gap and I still don't unsubscribe because I go, oh yeah, I'm not ready to do that yet. Oh yeah, I'm not ready to do that yet. And yet I see the value of the gap. No, that makes perfect sense because the number of times I hit unsubscribe and I feel like annoyed, like, oh, why are they still bothering me? Those that are in my inbox. And I see on a regular basis, I'm like, oh, it's almost just like a, almost like a little like, oh, what, you know, I either bought from you or worked with you or have that product. And it's like, oh, and it's almost like a little bit of a pleasant, like, hmm, maybe another day. So you're, that's super helpful that the idea that then they're not my people and it's okay if they unsubscribe, I'm not losing them because I'm emailing, I'm losing them because we aren't a good fit. Right. That's helpful. And so then when you start tracking that, if you decide to lean into email marketing, I mean, I want you to at least have an email list. I do. I do. Or not. I do. Okay, yeah. good. So that's important. So then if you decide to lean into email marketing, like, and first of all, why not start your first email like this? Hey, you want to listen to the episode of why I decided to start? Mm-hmm. Wow. That was just super cross marketing of me. Hey, send my podcast to your people. <laughs> I'm really good. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's called leveraging others' audiences, people. (laughs) If you choose to send, but like, wouldn't that be a great email? Like, hey, 
anybody else hate this? Me, gif, woot, woot. Yeah, I hate this just as much as the next person. Can you reply with like a little bit of love? Because this is hard. I'm going to press send. I'm really pressing it. Ah, go. Like, why not? If that's- Can I go back and just like, what's that? I'm going to go back and listen and just type what you just said. Because yeah, that's, that's, real, that's really real, mm-hmm. right? That's really real. So I think I just kind of had some shoulds around what email marketing should be. And that was not resonating. Girl, I'm sitting here with wet hair. I got out of shit like an hour ago. <laughs> I love OTs. <laughs> I was going to talk about the fact I wasn't wearing a bra, but I don't think I'll bring that up. Uh, <laughs> got a scarf. No one can tell. Exactly. That's it. I'm wearing a scarf. Okay. So if that's your value, then lean into your values. You don't have to be anybody else but you. You don't have to do it my way. There are certain principles, and you can, I hear that for you, Jessica. I hear that those principles stay with you. And kind of the essence of a lot of your questions is how's this going to work for me? How's this going to work for me? How's this going to work for me? Mm hmm. I mean, and again, I think a big overriding theme is I'm going to give you permission mm-hmm. to try it in a way that feels like it will work for you. I will say that is the only drawback I have found about being in this space as you know, a first mover in this space, having some kind of leadership profile in this space is that I worry and I hear a little bit of feedback that I'm putting people into a bit of a paralysis because they don't exactly know how to do it. Whereas when it was me, a hot mess in Calgary, I was, I had nobody. So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess I'll try this. And so by me sharing tips, tricks, trainings, actionable for frameworks, blah, 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 blah. Like at no point do I want you to feel stuck. Mm -hmm. If you find that your consumption of anything is not serving you, Mm -hmm. then like press pause on my Mm -hmm. voice or anybody else's voice because the intention is to save you time and money. And yet I also don't ever want my voice to override that try it anyway thing. Mm -hmm. I think when you keep using the word experiment, it's Mm -hmm. such a helpful word. And that's what's gotten me here so far from the programming perspective, but when it comes, it's interesting because teaching, educating is comfortable. So I feel comfortable experimenting, but because business is new, the idea of like, oh, I have to do it right. And like butting up against advice from people like you who have been there and then trying to run it through your own lens of like, is this me? But it's sometimes a little hard to discern what's just good business practice and what just isn't lining up for me or what is lining up and like figuring out how to experiment inside that. But that word is really like really helpful to hold on to thinking about some of these business practices. Good. I'm glad. And I think that's why I would also encourage you to use any free time you have in rest and relaxation mode, because back to what we talked about in terms of buying some of your time back, because you are using a lot of energy to filter that between like, what is this best practice? What is this best practice? What am I hearing there? What do I think is going to work for me? Oh my gosh. What feels ultimately Jessica? Truth. 
Hashtag <laughs> word. <laughs> okay, Jessica, are you ready to do some rapid fire questions? Yes. At the end? Okay. Yes. Jessica. Yes. What is your biggest personal money splurge? My personal money splurge falls into the category of like dance class, art class, and then any kind of personal development courses. Love them. Don't even feel guilty about spending money on them. I'm so glad to hear that. I love. How about, I think I know the answer to this, Miss Midwest. What about in your business? In my business, my biggest splurge to date has been on copy, actually. And I'm really proud of that because I, yeah, I'm really surprised that I did it because it was a big ticket item for me and it was amazing. It, It helped not just with copy on a sales page, but it helped me so much with clarity the implications for copy, I just had no idea. So that's my biggest agree more. I actually have gone back to copy. Over, now I'm in more of a rinse and repeat mode as well. Mm. And I've gone back to copy thinking like, oh, that costs a lot. And then I'm like, oh, but I could turn this paragraph into an Instagram post. I could turn this paragraph into a reply. Like, yeah, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. It does. Yes. Completely agree. Where do you have unpaid or paid help in your life? So, I mean, we touched on that a little bit earlier, just the difficulty of that for Mm -hmm. me, but the two places that did come up, this is, I'm kind of skirting it a little bit, but also it's maybe just a non-traditional way of thinking about it, but I have a really, I'm fortunate to have a really egalitarian partnership. Great. So my partner shows up for me so much, one, just like practically in our life together, like the business of life, we call it. And then the other one is emotionally, you know, so He's there for me when I am in doubt or I'm in overwhelm about the business. And he is just, he's there. And that that's a huge help. Thank you for answering it that way. I think that's not talked about enough. And I'm really glad that you have that. All right, last question. When I wave my magic money wand and I can put seven figures, you should see Jessica stretching and smiling as I'm asking this question over Zoom video, and I can put seven figures in your business bank account, what would you spend it on? This was so fun. I have a shopping list. So, you know, Trish, I have okay. my, my fancy wish list. Close to the and holidays. It's on season. Right. Okay. So, here we go. If you were Mrs. Claus, I would want to pay. Uh, one, I'd want to pay stroke survivors who want to, because I'd really like to marry the two, the two businesses. And I would want stroke survivors that I could pay them. So then as we're working through therapy, they are also the model that we're teaching therapists through. So I want to pay them. And then I want to pay for the uh, video crew to make really great video out of those sessions. That's kind of two in one. And then I want to pay people to do all of the tech that I don't know how to do or don't do very well. And then a lot of these administrative things that we're talking about and more systems to help with the things that I don't even know I need yet. I'm just beginning to see like my spreadsheets are getting so clunky and I don't even like, I don't yet know what kind of systems could replace that, but I would love to be able to pay for those and not like think twice about it. Amazing. Anything else that you'd spend it on? I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) <laughs> anything yes. in your you stocking like a chocolate orange or <laughs> yeah a hilo mat table some some tumble forms how about some like neuro equipment yes please mobile arm support yes <laughs> <laughs> and a gift card to 
Are you an Apple user? I am a Google user. Okay, got it. Uh, and a gift card on Partridge and a Pear Tree. Okay, Jessica, yes. thank you so much for coming here today. You know, I can hear in our conversation today the importance of the pillars in your business that empowering therapists with education and teaching self-care for the OTs who care. Great, great tagline. And, you know, being safe and meaningful in those learning environments and helping others find their path. It's just been a treat. Thank you so much for leaning into this experiment today. I am thrilled with the value that everybody's going to get from hearing your really wonderful questions. So thanks again. Thank you, Trish, for your wisdom and for being real and for encouraging me to lean into vulnerability. This has been great. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. <laughs>